Inspired in part by Sadia Hartman's Lose Your Mother, Lose Your Sister is a meditation on Black feminist thought and diaspora. Treating pop culture as a text, each week we will explore a different topic, film, show, book, event, scandal, etc. A note on creation. As we set out to build this podcast together as an exercise in friendship, cultural criticism, and diasporic exchange, we find strength in remembering that we come from a history of people who have loved and learned from one another across larger distances than this one. In the words of Saidiya Hartman, I too live in the time of slavery, by which I mean I'm living in the future created by it. Situated in this future, Lucia's sister considers how Black people find their way back to one another, interpersonally, artistically, and politically. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? What's up? I'm okay. Just busy. Um, but yeah, getting settled into school life. It's been a bit weird transitioning because yes, I yeah. was back home for six months. Um, which was a very, very long time. And so, yeah, I was like used to being a Londoner again. Um, and so, yeah. As a wow. Um, it's been all right. Back home, D.C., happy to be home, not really getting to experience it because of quarantine, but oh. you know, happy to be home with family and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to be a Zoom university dropout at this point. I'm really tired of online school, but you know, yes. I'm just gonna crawl my way to graduation at this point. Yes, graduation is soon. When do you graduate? What month? Um, June. Oh, ooh. I graduate in April. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish I graduated in April. That's my that's my birth month. That would have been so cute. Oh, yes. That would have been a nice way to end. Yeah. But no, no. <laughs> It'll be June. Dominic is playing games. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess what, what have you been like watching? What have you been reading? Like, how have you been kind of, I don't know, like wading through the discourse as of late? Um, so it's been... It was a while since we last um, recorded our first episode. Um, so I watched Ratchet. Um, oh, which is okay. Murphy's new TV show on Netflix. I saw a tweet that said that Ryan Murphy is the white Tyler Perry. <laughs> sure, words haven't been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> that man is a menace to society. But even, oh. even that being said, um, he's a better writer than Tyler Perry. Um, so Ratchet was... It was okay. I felt like it ran out of steam towards the end. Um, it's very melodramatic, yeah. which I enjoyed. I love watching Sarah Paulson. But the way it treated um, mental illness, I don't know how, to, how I feel about it. Well, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> but I don't have yeah. the words. I don't um, have the words to really like explain why, because it's something I need to read more on. So um, yeah, anybody no, I feel that. Be cool to yeah, me. I feel that. It was, I think it was just a little like overwrought to me at times. Like I love Sarah Paulson. I think she's a great actress. Um, but I did kind of feel like, I don't know. I feel like at times it felt like the the storyline like for Nurse Ratchet kind of overpowered like Sarah's like acting because it just was like, she just had such a traumatic life. And it felt like at times it was like, um, like how, like how do we even tell this story in the present? Cause it just felt like we were constantly kind of making weird detours back to her past. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also felt some kind of way about the one black woman on the show, Charlotte. I thought that she didn't, I don't know. I thought she didn't get the best um, 
the best narrative in the end. I kind of feel like everybody was, everybody was kind of taking advantage of her. Absolutely, I agree. It was nice to see stuff like Canedo on screen, though. I don't know if I said her last name right. Oh, Canedo? I've never heard it said before, but I feel like I feel like you probably got it. Yeah, either way, she's an icon. Um, it was nice to see her on screen. Yeah, I I she's definitely like she did the like multiple personalities like very well and like really I think gave a lot to each kind of um, persona but I also was kind of like wishing I don't know wishing there was more to her character and that she wasn't kind of so vulnerable to everyone around her in a certain way yeah I agree what have you been watching what have I been watching um as of late I haven't really like I've been doing a lot of reality television um as of late so i've been watching like love island like the u.s love island which is like terrible what'd you say oh did you say um u.s love island is terrible yeah it is Um, (laughs) because i can't imagine it being anywhere but the uk yeah and so i think it's it's terrible because i think a lot of the like specific kind of like charm and like humor that i get from like the uk version isn't really there like the uh, the u.s one feels so forced um but uh this is the first like the this season like a black couple won and they're like the first black couple to ever win in the love island franchise love that um so i'm kind of watching it for them and i do that sometimes with reality tv where like like for example the only season of the bachelorette i've ever seen is like the one with the black girl and then i'll like never watch it again um (laughs) so i'm like definitely a fake fan but yeah, I mean, if it was UK, I would watch more consistently because I've enjoyed Love Island UK. But the US one is like, I don't know. It's, it's a lot and everybody is very like, I don't know. No one's that interesting in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, and then other than that, I've been watching Married at First Sight, which is like oh. a TLC show. Is um, that arranged marriage thing? Or? Yeah, it is. Right. Um, but I guess they kind of make a spectacle out of it, even though it's like a very popular cultural phenomenon in like lots of other places Mm -hmm. um like the because they're like americans i feel like it's like it's like a drama thing but um but this season again i'm watching it because like again they're like really funny black people on this season um and i'm enjoying watching them like get to know each other all right oh by the way i want to say thank you for everybody who listened to our first episode yes shout out to y'all real real ones yes we received some lovely um support so yes thank you so much for following us on instagram twitter and on the various platforms that we're on yes this is a plug follow us at at lose your sister subscribe Um, down below as the youtube girls would say (laughs) (laughs) links in the description (laughs) promo code and joking so yeah leading question for our um for the topic of today what is your favorite memoir and why yes okay so I really like this question but mostly because I'm just like obsessed with this book so my favorite memoir is Negro Land by Margot Jefferson it's like one the title like off top is like already like making some some strong kind of uh statements but I also just really love how the book is written and then also um Margot Jefferson is like a really amazing critic and writer um and the book is kind of a memoir of like her life growing up in like the 1950s and 60s as a black girl who like grew up like very kind of upper middle class and and, like had a very particular kind of uh black elite upbringing but I think it's really interesting the way that she's very honest about 
the class differences between like her experience and like working class black people. And I don't know, I think it's probably one of the most honest memoirs I've ever read. Um, and also like the most kind of like critical and like engaged. And I think she doesn't let herself off the hook. She doesn't really let her people off the hook, but I think she also writes with a lot of love and care. Yeah, so I think it's just a really amazing book in general. Mm, nice. Um, I, I had difficulty with the question because I'm not that really into memoirs, but I have one tattoo and it's a quote from I Know Why the Cage Burst Sings by Matt mm. Angelou, which I think is such a beautifully written book. I love yeah. Matt Angelou's writing style because there's such great clarity to it which is very difficult for a writer. It's very difficult to write so effortlessly, but my Angie does it with such ease. And I remember reading it when I was, I don't know how old it was, like 14, 15. And I got to a bit where it says, oh, known and unknown black poets, how often have you sustained us? Um, mm. Which just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, that's my, gonna be my first tattoo. And it was, I got it when I was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so love that book um yeah place in my heart yeah i hope you get that tattoo i do i do oh you got it wait got that's, it. Yeah. that's so full circle oh yes. i love that oh that's perfect okay that's why it's my favorite memoir so the book we'll be discussing today is the meaning of mariah carey her first book her memoir yes Lynn is very excited she's been acting up all week <laughs> Yes. Um, if any of y'all have seen me on the internet, you know that I am a Mariah Carey stan. That is my Aries queen. I am one of the lambs, as as she says. Um, yeah, I just, I go up for her. Um, I think that she's like amazing. Um, and I thought all those things before I read the memoir. Um, and now I feel it even more. I feel like very connected to her and her story. So I'm excited about that about talking about it today. So I don't know, how did you like, how did you come to like, to the book? Like what was your kind of, I don't know, your kind of first thoughts about Mariah, like before reading? Um, well, Mariah Carey is Mariah Carey. I've always been a fan. I wouldn't call myself a lamb so much. Yeah. Her music is the soundtrack to so many parts of my life, like so many other people. I've heard people say nowadays that um, Gen Z isn't really into her music and only really know all I want for Christmas is you and obsessed because it was a TikTok song, which I think is abominable. You <laughs> 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 are uncultured swines because how do you not know Miro or we belong together or there will be miracles. I <laughs> I was listening to there will be miracles <laughs> earlier today and I texted Jordan, I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> and so, I, I was interested in reading this memoir just because I know Maria has lived a life. Um, yeah. But I didn't realize how important her music was to me until, until we decided to listen to it for this episode. Mm -hmm. And I started like delving back into her albums and I was like, wait a minute, she has so many hits. Yes. There's so many songs that I, I love and grew up with and my family members love as well. What's your favorite Mariah song, by the way? Oof, that's hard. That's hard. I mean, I feel like I always go back to Vision of Love. It's like, feels like original Mariah to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I feel like that's hard. I also feel like while I agree with you that like 
the whole like obsessed on TikTok was like a weird phenomenon. I do think obsessed is funny. Um, it is funny. Especially because it is a diss track to Eminem. And I think the music video is like really funny. And I think that she like, like had like the best diss track that year. She did. I don't know. So I think I think I enjoy the like the discourse around obsessed. If that's if that like is an option. Okay, I love "We Belong Together" because it's like the best song to sing when you're drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the night, <laughs> or even sober. Um, I would try to listen to like all of her albums to record in this episode, but I couldn't get past the Emancipation of Mimi. That was just stuck on repeat. Yeah, it's such a good song. Such a good song. I also like I like touch my body also because there's like this like amazing video of Aretha Franklin covering touch my body and it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life is that the one where she's like I'm not gonna say certain words because I'm a Christian woman yes it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny Aretha Franklin's mentioned in the um in the memoir but we'll get into that yes yeah that's also another Aries queen as as you may know there are a lot of divas in the Aries, like, canon. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. I think Aries is the sign of, like, Black divas. Because you had, it was, like, Billie Holiday, Mariah Carey, Aretha Franklin. Is Diana Ross Aries? Yes. Show is Shaka Khan. Oh, oh, yeah. You guys got that on the But yeah. what I will say is Aquariuses are the sign of Black excellence and innovation. We have Toni Morrison. We have okay. Audrey Lord. We have, I'm sure Angela Davis is a... Aquarius, isn't she? I think she is, yeah. An Aquarius. D'Angelo, Brandy. Okay, okay. Y'all yeah. got a little roster. I'll we, give you we that. We do, we do. Don't forget okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get into the meaning of Mariah Carey. Weaving together narratives of a troubled childhood, life as a young upcoming artist, and her experience settling into success and icon status. The memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, co-authored by activist and writer Michael Angela Davis, not to be confused with Angela Davis, connects the star of Mariah Carey to the histories, politics, geographies, and people who made her. Continuing her track record for chart toppers with this, her first book, legendary singer-songwriter Mariah Carey has earned herself yet another esteemed designation, New York Times bestselling author. So how do we even begin to describe the iconic Mariah Carey? Since her self-titled debut album in 1990, Mariah Carey has risen to stardom, becoming one of the best-selling music artists of all time and the second best-selling female music artist in the United States with an expansive catalog of 15 albums, which doesn't even include her compilation and remix albums, mind you. Think of a record for selling music and Mariah Carey either holds it or has broken it. Just to name a few, her collaboration One Sweet Day with Boys to Men held the record for the longest number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 for 23 years. She has the most number one singles for any solo artist, and she has the most debut number one singles in the Billboard Hot 100's entire history. Carrie writes nearly every single one of her songs on her albums, and then her induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, which we will delve into a lot in this episode. Altogether, she has sold over 200 million records in her 30-year career. She is known for her five-octave rage and legendary whistle tone, her intricate vocal runs that have influenced generations of singers, passionate ballads and infectiously catchy tunes, and for pioneering mainstream collaborations between R&B pop singers and rappers. Whew. 
That was a mouthful. <laughs> it was worth it for a living legend. Yes, she deserves. She deserves, she deserves everything and more. Okay, so I guess to start, we both read the book as an audiobook. So we both listened to Mariah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, like, I guess as fans of like her music, we've all listened to her, but it's kind of different, like listening to her audiobook and listening to her tell the story um I was really amazed at how like good of a storyteller she is I mean I think it makes sense when you think about like her as a songwriter and her music but like I would listen to Mariah read a lot of other things that weren't yes she's such a good narrator and also one of the best things about listening to it as an audiobook is that she'll randomly sing She'll sing, and sometimes it's even like background vocals, but all of it's a cappella. <laughs> so you'll hear no, like she's so funny. Harmony. She will just like bust out singing in the middle of like telling a story or like in the transition from like one chapter to another. Exactly, out of nowhere. <laughs> and it catches it's amazing. Me every it's time. amazing. <laughs> Only she could get away with it. Like exactly. anyone else, and I would be like, that is just like not acceptable. But <laughs> for her, like I'll allow it. Um, so yeah, Mariah's an exceptional storyteller and I wasn't, I was excited to listen to the book, but I wasn't expecting it to be so interesting. Like it didn't feel like a chore to get through at all. Um, yeah. I was like looking forward to listening to it, especially like while I was eating, sometimes I was like gasping. It was definitely like, I think my favorite thing was just feeling like I could take Mariah with me, like everywhere I went or everything I was doing, I could kind of just like put in my headphones and like play play the book and like I don't know it kind of felt it felt like she was like having a conversation with me versus like I think feeling like very like solitary when you like read just on the page yeah it didn't feel like she was reading off a page at all it really did feel like she was sitting there telling me the story of her life yeah I can imagine definitely for the lambs it's a very intimate experience and they'll absolutely love it yeah I guess speaking of her life like let's start at the beginning like I think Mariah's really interesting because I think she doesn't she doesn't give a lot of respect to time, which I like as somebody who's also like, you know, like against the white man's clock. Like I respect that about her. Um, I respect that about her. But I do think, I guess, in terms of like chronology, I think we should start with her childhood. I think that there's a way in which the whole book, I think in some ways feels like it's for her inner child. Yes. Her child is definitely the roots of the book and the rest of it yeah. grows out of that. So if you don't know, Maria Carey was born to um, a mixed race couple. Uh, Alfred Roy was her father, who was um, black, Afro-Venezuelan and African-American, and a white mother who was Irish Catholic and from Ohio, Springfield, Ohio. Yeah. She had two older siblings, both mixed race with the same parents. And she was youngest by quite a bit. I can't remember the exact age gap, but about like eight to 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty significant age gap because, like, by the time Mariah's born, her parents are already kind of, like, headed toward divorce. Um, and so, like, I think there's, a, there's a, a notable kind of chasm between her and her siblings who experienced, I think, life as, like, the children of, like, a, a interracial couple that was, like, together in Long Island, New York in, like, the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, by the time Mariah shows up, her parents are kind of, like at the end of their their kind of at the end of their relationship essentially and she kind of experiences them mostly as individuals and not 
as like a couple. Yes. And so they, her parents both talk when she's a young child and then she spends time with her father on Sundays. Um, she lives with her mother who is always hopping from like place to place. And it seems like they live in relative poverty. And yeah. her older siblings drift in and out of her life. Her um, sister um, ends up marrying a um, someone in the army. Gets yeah. in the Philippines, come back, um, has a child and um, ends up abusing drugs and doing sex work. And then her brother's like a shady character. Yeah. Very violent and dealing with a lot of like illegal activity that Mariah doesn't, yeah, Mariah doesn't really like delve into but yeah he's quite a shadowy person yeah I think there's so much heaviness that like seems to hang around her like her childhood and around her relationship to her siblings and I think even though it's clear that like she has a lot of pain as a result of some of the things her siblings do to her over the course of her life I mean at one point her sister attempts to like to like pimp her out when she's like 12 yeah. um, um and like I think there are a lot of like ways in which she feels like her siblings didn't protect her um, and exposed her to things that, that like that she shouldn't have been exposed to. Like as a child or really ever, like um, I think at one point, like her sister pours like boiling hot water on her and she gets yeah. like three burns on her back. So it seems like there's a lot of like really like bad tension between her and her siblings. Um, but I think she does a really interesting job of, I think trying to be empathetic about the traumas that her siblings experienced, um, especially I think in the ways that she talks about how how they were like potentially less kind of racially ambiguous than her and them kind of like growing up in Long Island, like with their parents together and the type of very like blatant racism they experienced as a family. Yes. And I think Mar- Mariah also has a lot of tension, resentment and disappointment from her mother, not protecting her from her siblings yeah the other people that she brought into her life yeah she has a complicated relationship with her mother because on one hand her mother is a person that introduced musicality to her life because her mother was a trained opera singer she trained at Juilliard and she would bring like all these different musicians into the house where um, Mariah grew up like singing with jazz singers and listened to her mother like practice um, scales um, while singing opera but at the same time, her mother just seems very like emotionally removed from yeah. Mariah. And um, at one point, um, it's mentioned that she's very jealous of Mariah. Um, she's like, you, can't, you would never be half the singer I am. Back when Mariah is like still a teenager. Yeah. Um, and still working very, very hard to make her dreams come true because she was like recording demos while she was still in high school and trying mm-hmm. to get a record deal. But at the same time, she still tries to have some sort of compassionate empathy towards her mother, understanding that she grew up in a certain context in like a very white, very racist um, Springfield, Ohio. But then again, she also mentions that her mother herself is quite racist, which is interesting because yeah. I like to pretend that if you have mixed race kids, then you're not racist yourself. Um, but Mariah yeah. mentions how um, her mother fetishized her father and also her children and possibly just married a black man inside a family to rebel against her family. Yeah, I think there's a way in which I think Mariah's relationship to her mother is, and her father, to be honest, are both like super interesting. And I think that she has a really, a really interesting way of, I think, 
like holding like two things at one time right and I think that and I think in some ways I think that's what like I think really having any kind of relationship with anyone requires right like we have to sit with what the ways people have harmed us and also the ways in which people have like been like fundamental to like our development as people and I think family in particular I think puts us in that position to have to weigh both um but I think yeah I think with her mom I can't remember if her mother is from Springfield Ohio or Springfield Illinois but like either way she's from the Midwest and like she comes from an environment where like there was a very active KKK chapter um and like her mother grew up in a very kind of like community mostly of like Irish immigrants and it's really interesting because she talks a lot about how like Irish people were of course facing their own kind of like caste discrimination like anti-Irish discrimination but that like because of that kind of um because of that kind of tension that in some ways they were like extremely invested in anti-blackness and that black people needed to like needed to be beneath them and that like that was something that they could always kind of maintain position above and I think I don't know I think it's really like wild in the book like when you realize that like Mariah's mother um, and grandmother like basically had a falling out when her mom married a black man essentially I don't know and it's kind of it's interesting because I think while Mariah definitely seems to have I think um, and rightfully so has like a critical like eye for her mother as like this white girl who kind of from a small town who kind of rebelled and, and potentially took it too far and like now has like this black man and like black children that she can't that she can't manage essentially. Yeah. I think that she also understands that like the emotional damage of being disowned by your mother is something that many people cannot get over. And I think that like the way that her mother basically lost her entire kind of like family in exchange for this new family, I think is something that it's kind of clear that her mom is still somewhat like depressed and like despondent in certain ways about, about how that went down. Yeah, this new family that she also has little cultural connection to as well. Yeah. Yeah, to make things even more fraught with tension. On the yeah. other hand, while Maya's mother's described as quite flighty, her father is quite strict. Um, yeah. But Maya clearly has so much love for her father. It's really, really endearing when you hear her talk about her dad and how they used to spend time with one another. And Mariah does a great job of understanding why her father seemed quite cold at times because mm-hmm. he grew up with so much um, trauma from the racism he faced growing up just as a black man in the early 20th century as well as um, as a veteran at one point I think was it he was accused of raping a white woman when yeah he didn't and then he was like thrown in prison yeah and I think he was discharged from the military yeah. like as a result of kind of the whole kind of um, aftermath of them realizing it wasn't him, but also kind of wanting to get rid of him after everything went down. Yeah. And there's like various incidents of racism that um, Mariah describes in a book, which I won't spoil for you. And as a result of that, um, Mariah's father is very skeptical of her career in the music industry because Mm -hmm. he doesn't see it as like a solid job, which is very much a long shot um, being successful in the music industry. And while that clearly pains Mariah to a certain extent, she does hold space for the trauma and the pain that her um, father went through. And she never blames him for the racism that she faced. Yeah. Which I guess is a psychological trap that someone could get into if they're of mixed race heritage, that their lives are a certain way because of their Black parent 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite thing about the way that Mariah talks about her father in particular. It's just that it's so clear that like, as you go through and hear some of the things that she experienced either by herself or with her father, like when, when people kind of come to terms with that, with the fact that her father is a black man. Cause I think there are multiple moments where it's clear that Mariah is like potentially passing in certain environments. But I think what's most interesting to me is that she experiences so much like firsthand and secondhand like trauma because this man is her father. Mm. Um, but I think it's so clear that she doesn't resent him for it. And I think that if anything, it seems like she resents the world for like, for hurting him and for hurting her and her siblings and her family. And I think, I think it's, you know, like a really powerful position to take. And I think it's not a position you see, I think, explained as as like clearly and as beautifully as she does but I think it's so clear to me that like that she really cares for her father and that she also knows that like so much of who he is has to do with like the world he you know the world he inherited and like the environment that he was forced to navigate yeah I usually dislike mixed narratives because I'll be like I was too um black for the white side and too white for the black side as if those two could ever be equal <laughs> yeah. like, very two very different reasons why you might have felt you weren't enough for either side um yeah and usually they lack severely like nuance but I do think that Mariah Carey did a good job talking about the difficulties of being mixed race and feeling like you don't belong while also putting it in the context of race relations in the United States yeah. yeah I also think it's very clear that like in certain ways that like it's less that like Mariah doesn't understand herself to be black, but it's more that like that there are certain situations where like other people don't understand her, right? Because it's like I think at times you get the sense that like she's kind of entering situations with like her own kind of context, and then other people just completely misread, like misread who she is. Um, I also think it's really interesting how often black people clock her, but white people don't. Like all the white kids, like they're always so surprised like when they find out mm -hmm. and like angry about it but it's interesting because there are multiple moments in the book where like black people really kind of like claim her um whether it's like her cousins or like black girls in high school who kind of like really stick up for her when like she's being kind of bullied I think there's a way in which like black people consistently show up for Mariah and I think in some ways I think regardless of like I think the ambiguity that she might experience in terms of other people's kind of um, immediate categorizing of her like racial identity. I think that she knows that like the mo the thing that might be the most certain is that like when like shit hits the fan, like black people are who show up. Yes. Okay, this is something I wanna talk about because on the topic of Mariah being white passing because I've never thought of Mariah as anything but a black woman. Same. <laughs> exactly. I remember even like in press print, there's a joke where I think Will says someone so um, confirmed that Mariah Carey is a black woman. And I was like, she wasn't a black woman. Like she's just so, <laughs> it's so clearly part of black culture. Yeah. Yeah. With a country music. Yeah. I don't know. I think I've always just felt like, I mean, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get into like the music industry, like genre stuff. But I think that like, to me, I think even just listening to Mariah, I think, I think she sounds like, like it sounds like black music. Yes. So I think that like, even before seeing her, I think there was already this sense that like there was so much history and tradition and like, 
like very kind of like black musical forms like being referenced in her in her work. Yes. Um, and so I think to me, I think it was never really a question of like, is she black? I think it was just like, is she light skinned? Well, duh. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, I just thought she was a very light skinned black woman. And yeah, I never really other. thought about it. I mean, I think I knew in passing that like, LOL, in passing. Um, <laughs> I think I knew like that she was like, that she was mixed. Like I knew she had a white mom, but I didn't like, it wasn't like a spectacle to me. I just kind of knew in the back of my head, like, oh, she had a white mom. But I also feel like there was a way in which the, I guess like the one kind of traumatic part of her family history that I had known like since I was fairly young was that Mariah's white side had disowned her mother for being with her father. Um, and I don't know if that I knew that just because it was common knowledge or because my mom's like family is from Long Island. So like maybe it was just kind of like a, a local kind of awareness. Right. But like in general, I always kind of knew that like regardless of what she looked like, she was black enough for her grandmother not to want anything to do with her. <laughs> uh-huh. And I feel like, and I don't know, I think in some ways I feel like that's kind of the line for me. <laughs> Cause like you can pass and not necessarily be mixed um, and you can be mixed and like very much not passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I don't know, I think it's interesting cause I think even with Mariah's siblings I think that that, that differentiation is very clear. I think there's a way in which she and her siblings understand that like she potentially could blend in in a way that they can't. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's really interesting because I think passing to me has always felt like such a conditional position to be in. Like any kind of status you might get for for like being red as white in one space could completely dissolve once like the right amount of like background information is revealed. And I think it's interesting because I think that like Mariah doesn't necessarily fit into the narrative like of like people who actively passed. Right, because there are people who like really had to give up entire like parts of themselves in order to pass like fully. But I think that Mariah like isn't really trying, right? Like she's not trying to pass. She just like, people aren't asking any questions and like they kind of just let it slide. And I think she grew up in an environment that was like white, but was also like full of like, I think recent immigrants and like first, second gen, like European immigrants. And so I think there was also a way in which I think a lot of what would have made her stand out didn't stand out because like, you know, there were, there were Jewish girls, there were Italian girls. Like she wasn't the only person with like, you know, a a curl in her hair or like a tint to her skin. Yeah. I think you just put it so well that. Yeah. But even then I'm just like, my Carrie's clearly a black woman. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, but to be honest, when you see pictures of her when she's young. Yeah. And her hair is lighter. I do understand how, like, she... Yeah. Pass. And I think another reason why she passed is because interracial couples just weren't a thing back when she was a child. Yeah. So she's going to, like, a white school in a white neighborhood and her white mother's picking her up from school every day because she only saw her dad on the weekends. Yeah. People would just assume that she's white. Like, why wouldn't she be anything else? Yeah. I definitely think that's part of it. I mean, I think also when you consider the timeline, like, when her parents originally originally get married I'm pretty sure that like interracial marriage wasn't even legal throughout the entire United States right so like I think there's also a way in which her parents were kind of like risking a lot to even like be out with each other but I think it's also very clear that like even if Mariah was like just with her dad it's clear that like even if she's with her dad and like her father claims her that like anti-blackness is kind of wherever you are in a certain way 
and like only her mother would ever really be able to escape that I think her and her siblings understand themselves to kind of all be under that umbrella in a certain way yeah I think something that Mariah doesn't explicitly say in her book but she kind of alludes to is that her being white passing did obviously help her a lot in the music industry and for her to rise to yeah. the garden that she has um, yeah but every time she tried to show her blackness or basically just reveal the roots of her music um there was also pushback but she was a kind of Trojan horse for ushering in rappers yeah. into the mainstream through collaborations on her like R&B pop songs yeah I mean to me I honestly feel like in a way I feel like passing at its best is like Trojan horsey yeah you know what I mean? like I think I think the best version like of it like has to be the kind that like ultimately like helps black people who can't pass get access to things that they're not getting access to mm. um and so I think in a lot of ways I think what's so funny to me about about Mariah is that like I think a lot of other people in the industry put a lot of effort it was interesting to me that like even with the way that she looked that there was still a lot of effort put into making sure that like that she didn't come off as black um like they even like she talks about at one point how like they didn't want to straighten her hair because they were worried that if they straightened it her hair would look straightened which was yes. such an interesting like distinction um and so I think it's really interesting like how much kind of like intense racial upkeep <laughs> went into like <laughs> the way that like these like mostly white men in the industry were interacting with her and how like concerned they were about her like like slipping and like something black getting out and I think it's so interesting like how like it seems like a lot of her experience in the industry was kind of her just kind of fighting to define herself and once she could I think it was very clear that like that Mariah wasn't hiding right that like everyone like people were hiding her because they wanted to make money but I think that once she kind of got the opportunity to be in charge of her sound I think it was very clear like who she felt herself to be in conversation with yes and it's interesting that these white men thought that they would make more money from hiding her blackness when mm -hmm. in actual fact like R&B and hip-hop is very very lucrative and I think the vision that Mariah had to make collaborations with rappers in the like 90s and like now like end of the 2010s like rap became the number one music genre yeah America, like surpassing rock and Mariah Carey was ushering that in 20 years beforehand with yeah. loads and loads of pushback at the time yeah I mean I think I think in general I think it's very clear that a lot of those white guys who were in the music industry at the time really didn't get it Yes. right like I think I think they didn't understand like what hip-hop is and didn't really understand like what rap music was doing what it could do and what significance it, it had within black culture and then also what significance black culture had on like American culture and then like global culture yes. um, um and I think that there was it's really interesting because I think in a lot of ways I think what Mariah was up against was just like people who don't really believe in black people and I think Mariah like was seeing like you know this art and like this culture coming up and was like, oh, like, I believe in us. I see, I see like what we're doing and I, I see like how genius this is. And I think everyone else was kind of like, oh, it's a fluke, right? Like it'll, it's a fad, it'll pass. And I think she knew better. She definitely knew better. And in doing so, she's changed the landscape of pop. Like I think of all of the R&B girls at the moment. So like your scissors, your Kalani's or some of them. Like they wouldn't be making the music they're making now if it wasn't for Mariah Carey. 
the rhythms that Mariah Carey uses in her voice because if you think of songs like Breakdown, she's mimicking rappers and then yeah. how Scissor song writes as if she's singing a rap. Yeah. Like all of these things would not be possible without Mariah's vision 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I think even when you think about somebody like Beyonce, for example, who like mm-hmm. comes a couple years after Mariah kind of like has her usher into like stardom, I still think that there's like, like Beyonce obviously is like in her own lane. Um, and I would argue that Beyonce is also like in legend status, like already, like oh, that's before, like she reaches that, like even like before, like she hits, I think like what we might consider to be legend age. I think that she's already there, but I think in a lot of ways, like, said. yeah, I mean, like, it's just like, it's period. Like, it's just the fact, but I think in a lot of ways, I think even a lot of like Beyonce's kind of like style and in terms of like how much Beyonce kind of like, Beyonce be sing rapping too, like yes. all the time. And I think it's like, in a lot of ways, I think that that was made possible by somebody like Mariah, who was like, you can be like this amazing vocalist and like really care about like singing, like in a serious way, but also that like, that has its own kind of history, like within like black kind of like gospel context, but also that like, that that, isn't incompatible with like hip hop and rap music. And that if anything, that they're both kind of engaged with each other, like in ways that we might not even think at first. Yes. Um, And I think it's a testament to Mariah's ear because she's always talking about how she was listening to the radio and studying trends and she really had an ear to the streets. Um, Yeah. And yeah, just like understood the culture and where things were going. Um, What fascinated me was that she didn't, in a memoir, she doesn't, talk so much about singing and how she trained as a singer mm-hmm. um, you could read a book and unless you knew Mariah Carey you would never think that she has a five octave range because she really does not talk about like how the hell she discovered her whistle tone <laughs> and things like that because she puts so much emphasis onto her songwriting abilities and her musicianship and basically how long it took her to learn how to craft a song and then yeah. how to produce because she's a producer as well as a single songwriter and how to lay down background vocals and the art of recording yeah me and Jordan especially want to talk about how we don't recognize the genius of black women when it comes to music or to be honest anything any type of art but particularly um music which is something that we um consume every single day yeah I mean I think that like once you like finish this book I think that like once you like really sit with some of the things that Mariah says in this book like her pin game is Ooh. ridiculous like it's ridiculous like like not only can this woman like tell a story like in song but like she also is like a very good like like writer like her, her memoir is like really well written and there were like multiple times where she said things and I was like wait a second I know she was giving sermons <laughs> I was like wait a second like you might have done something there she did when she said I don't want I didn't want to cross over I wanted to transcend I said I was like, <laughs> no for me it was the part where she was like I've had to emancipate myself several times Ooh. I was like oh like she's giving Sadia Hartman she's giving me critical theorists I was like Frank Wilderson is shaking like she was really giving the girls like a run for their money I was like wait this woman is so she's like so smart like I just don't feel like people give her enough credit 
Yes. Also, the fact that she wrote a Christmas song, the fact that she wrote the last mainstream Christmas song, and she did it at 22 years old. Am I not 21 years old? I, when she mentioned that, I was like, am I not turning 22 in, what, four months? And it was her first Christmas song. Imagine writing your first Christmas song, and it's all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. And people don't respect I, you as a songwriter. I can't wrap my head around it, because like when you think about it, like I can't think of any musical canon that's like more fixed than holiday music. Yes. Um, like it's such a hard like I don't even know if you would call it like a full genre it's like a sub genre almost or something but like it's so fixed like so many other songs that like become like Christmas songs have like been Christmas songs forever like there's not a lot of like innovation in that space and like most artists who do Christmas albums like they're not always that successful yeah um, even if they are successful it's like maybe like their fans will buy it, right? It'll be something that people get for like, you know, like the teenagers in their life or something like that. But like for the most part, like most Christmas albums don't make it to like becoming a holiday standard. And here comes Mariah Carey, 22 years of age, writing a Christmas classic that pretty much everybody loves. It's just like a perfect song. I just love how her family's just gonna eat like forever. Forever. And that's it. just one of us songs like we haven't gotten to like Hero or We Belong Together, or any of the bots like Always Be My Baby, Honey. Like she can really do it all. Yeah. Oh, I just I want people to put some respect on her name in general. Like I think she deserves a lot more credit. Um, and I think it's really clear that she identifies most strongly with being a songwriter and I think it's probably why she doesn't talk as much about her singing yes yeah because we all know Mariah Carey's a great singer but yeah I didn't know that she wrote her own songs until like a year and a half ago maybe and I was shocked because I was like and it, and yet it made sense because she has such a distinct song yeah now that she's so like, worthy yeah <laughs> she had to write her own song yeah I think she has such a distinct yeah I think her her way of going about saying things is always like it's always a very Mariah way to say it them chickens is ash and I'm lotion who else <laughs> who else I think my favorite like quintessential Mariah line is the one at the end of um about my face her her like song with Nicki Minaj I still like low-key I'm like so sad that like that they're not that they don't get along I know um, I wish we had I think that collab was like iconic it was just so powerful, like, for them to be together. And it's just, like, I don't know. I was so sad that, like, that they weren't able to, like, I don't know, have a better relationship in general. But I still feel like that song is, like, iconic. And I think the the line at the end when Mariah's, like, if we were two Lego two blocks, blocks. leaving the Harvard University graduating <laughs> class of 2010. Couldn't put us back together again. When I'm like, great boy. <laughs> She's so disrespectful. And that's why I love her because I feel like she didn't have to go that hard. Even they couldn't figure that out because it's not happening. It's not happening. So yes, Mariah Carey's genius, I think, because she's a Black woman and particularly because she's very, very feminine. is yeah. And there's this great quote that Mariah says that, um, I think if you are a woman with an incredible voice, your musicianship always gets underplayed and she said this in reference to Aretha Franklin who of course has the voice, stellar voice, 
but Aretha Franklin was also a brilliant pianist yeah and vocal arranger but you never hear about that when we're talking about um her musicality and her musicianship yeah I think it's so clear that like the even the black women that Mariah kind of looks into the most as like her kind of icons are all women who um in a lot of ways are like not only just like singers but also like really were very involved in like crafting their own sound right whether it was like their pin game or like their arrangements. And I think it's like so clear that she, that she's like the full package. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't recognize um, just the intelligence and the skill it takes to do all those things because they're found within black women and it's just yeah. taken for granted. It's just talent, which isn't something yeah. that you work for, it's something that you're just born with. Yeah, I think we kind of under, I don't even know what you would call it. I mean, I think in a way we kind of just like assume certain things about Black people. And I think those are a lot of very anti-Black kind of racist ideas about Black people being like inherently entertaining in a certain kind of way that like we all can just dance so that we all can kind of sing. Yeah. And I think, I think that those kinds of notions are incompatible with really acknowledging the kind of like craft and discipline and like ingenuity that goes into like the work of Black artists, because I think there's a way that it's kind of assumed to be like a cultural thing, right? That we all have this kind of musicality. Um, and I think there's something to be said for like culture and kind of, and, and music, but I also think that we can't act like some people aren't aren't doing something different. Yes. Um, and it also obscures the historical traditions um, within these genres, like, yeah. for instance, when I think of like gospel, that's like, a deep rich history and the church has been a training ground like a boot camp for some yeah. brilliant musicians and singers even rap like rap is an oral tradition it's not yeah. just music or genre um it's a tradition which is why there are so many different rappers so many different types of rap and I'm convinced if you don't like rap then you're just anti-black because I can guarantee you <laughs> there is a rapper <laughs> who is making music that you like because rap yeah. is just one kind of thing. It's a tradition. And yeah, you can yourself in any type of genre, any type of style. Yeah. I actually agree with that because I feel like the only people I've ever heard say they don't like rap music were like absolutely anti-black. Yeah. If you don't like rap, you don't like music, period. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the, not my carry. No one my If you don't like rap, you don't like music. <laughs> I, all like Mariah, on fantasy. <laughs> I feel like Mariah would agree. Yes. Thank you for listening. To continue this conversation, check out our reading list for this episode on our link tree, where you'll find all the sources we read to shape this discussion. Please leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to, because we'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter at, at LoseYourSister and email us at LoseYourSister at gmail.com. We hope you'll be back for our next episode in two weeks. Bye. Bye.